Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You do not have to check your phone. You do not have to check your radio, whatever device you listen on. Yeah, it's Thursday morning, and it's not normally a Let's Ride podcast. It is not Monday. It is not Wednesday. It is not Friday. So why in the world are you hearing Jeff Hartman's voice and not Dave Schofield? That's what you're asking. And you know, sometimes you need some relief. And uh, if this in this case, Dave Schofield is not feeling well. He's under the weather, and he can't do a show. And so I said, all right, I got you, man. I've got you. I will do a special Let's Ride podcast on Thursday. You're still going to get me tomorrow as well. And I know for a fact that there are some of Dave's nerds of steel that are not fans of Let's Ride. They are not in the Ride or Die crew. And for all those out there that fall into that category, I'm sorry. My apologies. I'm just trying to fill in. I'm just trying to be a good uh, a good leader of the pack. I'm just trying to be a good team player here. Uh, but for those of you that are missing Dave's thoughts, hopefully he'll be back on the preview on Thursday night. If not, he'll be back on the post-game podcast on Sunday, and he'll be back to his normal stat geek on Thursday. But for me, I got to be honest with y'all, I, this is not going to be as long a podcast as Dave normally does. Stats are not my thing, first and foremost. Uh, I, I I look at stats. I, I enjoy looking at stats. I love Dave's podcast. I listen to it every single week. But I'm not a good math guy. I've never been a mathematical mind. I'm definitely not of that ilk. I'm more of the creative side, less about the numbers and the black and white nature of, of statistics. I'm going to do the best that I can on short notice to give you some stats to wrap your head around, both looking at this upcoming game against the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 8 and also taking a look at some interesting facets of the Pittsburgh Steelers that are based on news that have just come out. So let's talk about the news first. We're going to do the Zebra Technology stat, which Dave always does. Uh, And we have one stat from the Week 7 game against the Miami Dolphins. But let's first start off with some news. TJ Watt, that's right, Trent Jordan Watt, he had his 21-day clock started. The window, the 21 days. We all have heard a lot about this in 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 the past few weeks, days, when... You talk about Calvin Austin III. We'll get to him in a second. You talk about DeMonte KZ. He is in the midst of his clock being started. DeMonte KZ told reporters today, I'm sorry, told them on Wednesday that he's been medically cleared for his wrist injury and that, hey, when they activate him, they activate him. He's ready to go. He said he just wants to hit somebody. So that's exciting. But TJ Watch just starting that process. It was really cool to see some video of practice with the Steelers doing some individual drills and Watt was out there with a helmet on. He looked like he was raring to go. Not saying I believe that he's going to be activated for this Sunday. This might just be them trying to get him acclimated before the bye week. And then that's always been the target date. You know, that's what everyone said after even when he got his knee cleaned up post by week 10 New Orleans Saints at Acrisure Stadium is the most likely time we see TJ Watt back on the field. Seems to be on that track. Okay, now Calvin Austin III, that's some news that I mentioned. The 21 days that's just starting for T.J. Watt had just ended with Calvin Austin III, and the Steelers put him on season-ending injured reserve. Now, Dave talked about this in the press conference podcast on Tuesday after Mike Tomlin's Tuesday presser. I talked about it on Wednesday on my Let's Ride podcast, and everyone had differing opinions as to what was going on with Calvin Austin. 
Mike Tomlin said it, he d- doesn't look like he's going to be uh, you know, activated this week. He didn't make it sound like he was going to be in the plans anytime soon. So you had people like me that were saying, okay, I'm in the camp of Calvin Austin could be put on season-ending IR. And his year could be done, and that would be awful for a rookie who hasn't even played in a preseason game yet. And Dave was of the ilk that said, I think he's going to be activated. He's just going to be inactive. That's what Tomlin was referring to. I could see how you could see it both ways. And then the news breaks that Calvin Austin III is going on season-ending injured reserve. And everyone's like, man, that just is awful. That's awful. It reeks of Senquez Golson right now. Never even seeing the field. That's what it that's what it smells of. I pray that's not the case, but that's what it smells like. And then you have the report from Jerry Dulac, which came out on Wednesday evening, that Calvin Austin, it's not the Steelers just making that decision. According to Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, he re-injured his foot, and the Steelers said, well, you know, he's going to have to have surgery. So that's why... He was put on season-ending injured reserve. It wasn't that he wasn't up to snuff. It wasn't that Matt Canada didn't know how to use him. It was that the foot was not 100% healthy. He might have re-injured it, and he's going to have to have that probably that Liz Frank surgery, which can be tough. That's what Larry Ogunjobi went through, and that's why he had that contract with the Chicago Bears pulled off the table after the uh, physical examination. So there you go. There's some news for you. And like I said, we're going to be talking about some of this stuff uh, with the stats portion of the show. But before we get to the stats, let's talk about that Zebra Technologies statistic of the week. Normally, sometimes the Steelers have more than one this week, only one, and here it is. George Pickens' seven-yard touchdown grab came on a go route, his seventh reception on such plays this season. Pickens' 3.2 receptions over the expected on go routes, over expected on go routes, leads the National Football League. His Week 7 touchdown snag had a completion probability of 35.7%. Pickens also had a target separation of 0.9 yards on the play. The Dolphins made sure to line up close to Pickens as he had an average of 3.1 yards of cushion, the lowest among wide receivers in Week 7. So some interesting facts here. So 3.2 receptions over expected on those go routes. That leads the NFL. The the amount of separation he had on that play was 0.9 yards, less than a yard, and then he averages 3.1 yards of cushion. Lowest amongst wide receivers. So pretty interesting stuff there. George Pickens is definitely proving his worth when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers rookie wide receivers not being able to contribute right away in a big way. All right, let's take a look at some statistics here. I've been thinking about some things, and it actually works out well for me because sometimes I just don't have the time to dive deep into these numbers. And no, this is not going to be a numbers segment like Dave does. I do not have the access to pro football reference like he does, nor do I have the access to pro football focus. So this is going to be Jeff's stat geek, which means, well, it's the dumbed down version. (laughs) That's exactly what it means. So TJ Watt is coming back. And he's coming back off of, he's starting that process of coming off of IR. So I just want to look at some statistics with the Steelers' defense with and without TJ Watt. Because, you know, Mike Tomlin talked about on Tuesday about the Steelers' inability to sack the quarterback. And as it pertains to the Week 7 game against the Miami Dolphins, he talked about how with Tua back there and being mobile and a left-handed quarterback, they knew it wasn't going to be a high sack game. They were just hoping to get hits and hurries. 
Now, hurries is not an official statistic. I think Pro Football Focus might register that, but quarterback hits, they do. And so I was thinking to myself, well, I want to look at some of these numbers because remember, you look at not things like interceptions. Well, those are indicative typically of a good pass rush. The quarterback has to get rid of the ball early. The quarterback might throw a bad pass. Uh, They might have to try to force the ball. That can lead to more takeaways. So I just looked at sacks. We know the numbers. TJ Watt, in the one game that he played, he did not have seven, but the Steelers' defense had seven in that one game, and TJ Watt didn't even finish that game. That's noteworthy as well. Now, without TJ Watt, the Steelers only have five sacks in six games. Okay, so five sacks in six games. This has been a talked-about thread, a talked-about narrative, and we all know that T.J. Watt means a lot, but I didn't realize just how much he meant to this defense because don't kid yourself. When you are looking and listening to these statistics and saying, man, it's just just T.J. Watt, this is probably a fluke. I don't think it is anymore. I don't think it is a fluke anymore. These numbers dictate that it is not a fluke anymore, that T.J. Watt impacts the game that much, the 2021 Defensive Player of the Year. So interceptions. In that first game when T.J. Watt played, they had four. They had four interceptions. Since then, six games, four. You can talk about they should have had more. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, they don't. Four. So in one game, that back end took advantage of those seven sacks and the pressure they were putting on the quarterback by taking the ball away. Well, what about quarterback hits? Because that's something Tomlin mentioned. He said, we wanted to be able to get to the quarterback and make our presence felt, you know, hurries, quarterback hits. So in that first game, TJ Watt, when he was in the lineup, this is not all TJ Watt. I want to reiterate that. But he was in the lineup in week one. In one game, the Steelers had 11 quarterback hits. That is a ridiculous number. Since then, six games later, 20, 20 for a total. So without TJ Watt, the last six games, four interceptions, only five sacks, and 20 quarterback hits. You know, I talked about this on my Let's Ride podcast where I said that it's it's like he's a one-man, is a one-man show. And it shouldn't be a one-man show, but every single week that this defense goes out there, that these outside linebackers, and I know that Alex Highsmith is either at or near the top of the NFL when it comes to sack totals. But people forget that Alex Highsmith has six and a half sacks on the season. He had three in week one. Three. He had a hat trick. So you just see these outside linebackers that are completely ineffective, and that impacts the interior. Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, they're not able to be as impactful as they would if TJ Watt was in the lineup as well. So when you look at these numbers, it's staggering. It is staggering, and for the life of me, I never thought that it would be this narrative that you know everyone heard, everyone knew the, the narrative and the storyline. Well, they haven't won without Watt. Well, they did that against Tampa Bay, but this defense is not the same. That, that might be mission number one or number two this offseason is to build a defense that is not so reliant on one guy. So there you have some numbers there. So let's talk about some other things here. Weighty downs, that's something that Mike Tomlin loves to talk about. Weighty downs, well, what are we talking about with weighty downs? We're talking about the Steelers' offense predominantly and how do they do on third downs, and then you can throw in fourth downs as well. So I looked at third downs for the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense. It's not good. It is not good. They, they Right now, after seven football games, are at a 37.9%. I'm not about to go and break it down with – Kenny Pickett and, and Mitch Trubisky and who does what and where. That's No, that's the offensive unit as a whole. 37.9% conversion rate. 
They have only had one game where they were above 50%, and that was against the – they were at 50%. They have never actually been, and as I look at it, what I wrote down, they've actually never been above 50%. They, they were 50% against the New York Jets where they were 6 for 12. And think about that. Those weighty downs, 37.9% on third downs. All those three and outs, all those times where drives stall, it's just th- that number is going to have to improve. So then I thought, what about the individual players, meaning the pass catchers, the playmakers, the third down conversions? You might be shocked at who leads the Steelers in terms of third down conversions. It's Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool, nine third down conversions to his name. Second, Deontay Johnson with six. There's a tie for third with between Pat Fryermuth and George Pickens with five. Kenny Pickett has three himself. And Najee Harris only has two. That was really interesting to me. That Najee Harris, and I know that he's struggling, I know he doesn't look right, and we all want to create excuses there, and that's fine. First round draft pick, you want to give him a break. But at the same time, only converting two third downs, that is telling to me. So then you look at even further down the road when you come to weighty downs. You're talking about fourth down conversions. Believe it or not, the Steelers have done better in this regard. Four for seven on the season. That's a 57.1 percentage. And what's really shocking is that in the last two games, they've been three for three when trying to convert on fourth downs. So that tells me that they are at least getting getting a chance to go for it, and they are choosing to go for it. Uh, And Mike Tomlin has been very aggressive, more so, I think, uh, with Kenny Pickett at quarterback than when Mitch Trubisky was in. Several times last few games, uh, the drive has been around midfield, and Kenny Pickett gets to the line, and Mike Tomlin's telling him, go for it. And they've been willing to do a quarterback sneak. We know that's been an aberration with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm, but still, interesting stats on those weighty downs for the Pittsburgh Steelers so far on the offensive side of the ball in 2022. So I wanted to take a look, too, at offense and defense by quarter, okay? I I was thinking about the coin toss. There were a lot of people that had questions, and they were curious that in the Miami game on Sunday Night Football, the Pittsburgh Steelers won the toss, and they chose to defer. They chose to defer their opening possession until the third quarter. I think if you ask 9 out of 10 Steeler fans, if you saw them on the street, hey, you win the coin toss in a game against Miami on the road, primetime, do you want the ball first? Or do you want to defer? I feel like there's something about Steeler fans that they naturally just want to defer. Just put the defense on the field first, get the ball to start the second half. It's just the what it's always done. But does that actually line up? Do those numbers in terms of how the Steelers start on offense, start on defense, and start the second half, both offensively and defensively, do those numbers actually add up? That's what I wanted to take a look at. So let's take a look at the offense first. Okay, so on the offensive side of the football, now this is the the entire season. Okay, they're taking the entire season and looking at how many points have been scored in the first, second, third, and fourth quarters. So in the first quarter, the Pittsburgh Steelers, as a team, as a total, have only scored 20 points total in the first quarter. They've had four first quarters that they did not score a point. Four. Now the second quarter is their best quarter. So far this season, they have 43 points scored in the second quarter. They've only had one quarter in one second quarter this season where they didn't score a point. 
All right, so starting the game, not great. 20 total points. And they've had they've been held scoreless four times in the fourth in the first quarter. Now, what about the third quarter? Okay, so you want to defer. Think about Miami. You want to defer. Give me that first possession of the third quarter. That's their worst quarter. That is their worst offensive quarter, the third. The third quarter, they've only scored 13 points the entire season in the third quarter, and four times they've been held scoreless. Think about the deferring to the third quarter and how many times that's happened. It hasn't happened every week. I'm not about to tell you that, and I wish I knew that stat. I didn't have the time to look it up, but still... The third quarter, they've only scored 13 points. Now, in the fourth quarter, not bad. It's better. 28 points. They've been held scoreless in the fourth quarter two times. So offensively, I mean, it's not good. Your your worst quarters are your first and your third. Your best is your second, and your third your 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 second best is your fourth. That's just not a good. It's not a good setup for the coin toss. I'll tell you that right now. But let's look at the defensive side. Is the defensive side any better? The defense has given up 42 first quarter points, and they have yet to hold an opponent scoreless in the first quarter. All right, that that should be telling. Okay, that should be telling. The second quarter, 53 second quarter points, and they have yet to hold an opponent to without a point in the second quarter. In the third quarter, it's their best quarter. It's the defense's best quarter so far. They've only surrendered 21 points in three games. They've held the opponents without a point in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, 46 points surrendered, but twice they've held an opponent without a point in that fourth quarter. So what does this tell me? You know, I just kind of dove down this rabbit hole. I was just curious what I'd find. It tells me that from a defensive standpoint, you'd be better off saying, if we win the toss, we're going to take the football, and I'll put our defense out there in the third quarter because they do best in the third quarter. That's what the stats show. But as for the offense, the first quarter, it's not good, but it's better than the third quarter. So if I'm the analytics, the analytics guy, and I am not an analytics guy, I'm the furthest thing from an analytics guy, if I'm the analytics guy, I'm going to Mike Tomlin saying, hey, coach, I just want to point this out to you, man. Our, our defense... Okay, not great in the first. They're the best in the third. Our offense, not the best in the first, but they're worse. They're the worst in the third. Think about that. Next time you're thinking about should the Steelers defer, should they take the football, if they win the toss in Philly, I'd say put the offense on the field. See what they can do. Numbers dictate that's your best shot. Put the defense on the field first in the third quarter. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back after this break, I'm going to start taking a look at the unbelievable discrepancies between where the Philadelphia Eagles rank and the Pittsburgh Steelers rank and some crazy stats heading into the game coming up this Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Fans, welcome back to the second half of this special Stat Geek Let's Ride podcast. If you stuck with me this long, thank you very much. I appreciate it. So we're talking about the upcoming game, Week 8, 
Pittsburgh Steelers at Philadelphia. The Steelers have not won in Philadelphia since Lyndon B. Johnson was the president of the United States. 1965, I think, is the actual date of the last time the Steelers won in, in a regular season game in Philadelphia. It's impressive. It's an imp- I mean, I, I got to be honest. It's not impressive for Steelers, but if I'm a Philadelphia fan, I'm like, man, we own Pittsburgh and Philly because they have. And, you know, that's, that's really, really interesting stuff. I want to take a look at the spread here. The spread has changed slightly since the opening line this past week. The opening line was the Philadelphia Eagles giving 11. Now they're giving 10.5. The over-under is set at 43 points. Not going to give a prediction. You want to hear my prediction? You got to listen to Let's Ride on Friday. But I'm just taking a look at the numbers, what the sportsbook, and this is uh, courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook, which sponsors not just our podcast, but all of SB Nation's platform. 10.5 points. So there are some numbers for you out there if, if you're a degenerate gambler. <laughs> All right, so let's take a look at some rankings. Keep in mind, folks, and this is something Dave Schofield would say, keep in mind the Philadelphia Eagles are coming off of a bye week. So they have only played six games. The Steelers have played seven games. That does play into these averages. But when I go into player-by-player player stuff, you'll see just how incredible some of these numbers are. But let's take a look at offenses. Let's compare the offenses first. We're going to go rushing yards average per game, passing yards per game, total yards per game, and then points per game. So rushing yards per game. The Pittsburgh Steelers average 87.9 rushing yards a game, which ranks 27th currently in the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles rush for 156 yards per game, and that is sixth best in the NFL. So a 27th ranking to the sixth. Get used to those type of numbers. There's a lot of them. Passing yards per game, the Steelers average 210.7. That ranks 24th in the National Football League. The Philadelphia Eagles, they throw for 238.5 passing yards per game, which is 13th in the NFL. The total yards, Steelers 298.6. That is 30th. And Philadelphia, 394.5, almost 100 yards more a game. That is fifth best in the league. Points per game, that's what matters the most, right? Steelers, after only scoring 10 points last week, their 16 16 points per game average drops to 15.3, and that is 31st in the league. The only team that is worse are the Denver Broncos. 31st, 15.3. You heard it. Yeah, you heard that right. And the Philadelphia Eagles are averaging 26.8 points per game, which is fourth. Let's go to the defensive side. It has to be better than that, right? I mean, Pittsburgh's best offensive ranking is 24th, and that's passing yards. Uh, Philadelphia's best ranking is fourth, and that's points per game. (laughs) Okay, let's take a look at the defense. Again, Pittsburgh's played seven games. Philadelphia's played six. Here we go. Rushing yards allowed per game. Pittsburgh is giving up 118.9 yards per game. That's 18th in the league. Philadelphia is giving up 109.8. That is 12th in the league. And you look at the passing yards allowed. Pittsburgh is giving up 275.4. That is 29th in the league. Philadelphia is only giving up 188 yards through the air In 2022, that is fifth in the league. Fifth in the league. Total yards surrendered, 394.3 for Pittsburgh. That is 28th. 
297.8 for Philadelphia. That is fourth. That is almost a hundred yard difference. That's the same. That was the same exact thing that I said on the offensive side of the ball. Same on the defense. Points per game allowed. Steelers are giving up 23.1. That is 22nd in the league. Philadelphia is giving up 17.5. That is fourth in the league. When you look at these numbers, I cannot tell you, and you heard it here. I mean, you've heard all these numbers. It is unbelievable how one-sided these these stats are. And defensively, the best category the Steelers have is 18th in terms of rushing rushing yards allowed per game. The lowest ranking that the Eagles have is 12th in rushing yards allowed per game. And think about that. The Steelers' best is not even close to their worst. And this is a common theme that I have found in the common narrative surrounding the Eagles, the only undefeated team remaining in the NFL, is that everyone thinks that this is all about the offense. It's all about Jalen Hurts. It's all about A.J. Brown, uh, the, the other dynamic receivers that they have. When you're talking about, you know, Dallas Goddard is definitely up there in terms of receiving yards. Devontae Smith being such a dynamic playmaker for the Philadelphia Eagles. But this defense is legit. They are legit. I mean, these rankings, I know they have one less game, but it doesn't matter. Let's take a look at some of these individual numbers in this upcoming game. Now, keep in mind, while the averages might be skewed a little bit because of the one more game the Steelers have played, some of these stats are out of this world. I mean, when you look at, let's take a look at Miles Sanders, okay? Miles Sanders is the running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's had 105 carries so far this season. That's six games. That's one less. Najee Harris is at 100 carries. Najee Harris has a 329 yards. Miles Sanders has 485. 485. Jalen Hurts has 293 yards on his own, averaging 3.8 yards per carry. You look at the receiving numbers. Okay, Devontae Smith is... Leading the team, or tied for the lead, with 33 receptions for Philly. Deontay Johnson has 38 receptions. He has thir- Deontay Johnson has 337 yards receiving. A.J. Brown has 33 receptions, has 503 yards. Devontae Smith has 397 yards. Dallas Goddard with 26 receptions. That's the same as George Pickens, has 357 yards. George Pickens with 338. These numbers that I'm talking about for Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they've played one less game. Think about what I'm saying. They're having so many opportunities. They're moving the ball well. They protect the football. Jalen Hurts has thrown two interceptions on the season. On the season. And the Philadelphia Eagles have taken it away 14 times for a plus 12 on the turnover differential. Statistically, Statistically speaking, and I'm not a stat geek, I am not Dave. Statistically speaking, this game is maybe as lopsided, if not more so, in my opinion, than the Buffalo game a few weeks ago, week five. Yes, I I can't believe I just said that, but I did. And that is that statistically, 
I think this game is more lopsided than the Buffalo game. But you got to remember, Buffalo, they had horrible rushing stats. They couldn't run the ball well. The defense, they didn't take it away like Philadelphia did or is doing. This game on paper is ugly. Is ugly. But like so many people have said before, I know I've heard Dave say it uh, on a weekly basis, there's a reason why they play the game. There's a reason why they're going to suit up and they're going to strap their helmets and they're going to say, let's see who's better on this day, this Sunday, in week eight in Philadelphia. And stranger things have happened. I still remind myself, and I still can't believe it, to be honest with you out there, that the Indianapolis Colts found a way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this season. They did. They did. So I'm not suggesting that the Steelers are going to go into Philly and win. Could they? Sure. Absolutely they could. Anything is possible in the NFL. You watch this game long enough, you know that simple fact. However, when you look at the stats, and I, I, I dove more into stats today in the brief time that I had to prepare for this podcast than I ever thought I ever would, and the more I dug deeper, the more I realized, holy cow, Philly is a legitimate contender here. And Pittsburgh, right before your bye week, you're going to get a good test. You're going to get a good test of what it's going to be like to go up against a contender. The last time the Steelers did that, they got their doors blown off in Buffalo. Completely blown off, 38-3. to How do they do this week? We shall see. Hopefully, Dave Schofield will be back on the preview on Thursday night with myself and Brian Davis. Hopefully, he'll be back on the postgame show on Sunday after the game. And hopefully, I don't have to do another one of these Stat Geek podcasts, although i got to be honest. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I was telling my wife, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not a numbers guy. And she said, I know you're not. And I said, thanks for the uh, confidence. And uh, I'm going to do the best I can. So hopefully you got something out of this. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, uh, in the meantime, I will be back on Friday uh, with my prediction podcast on Let's Ride. We're going to talk about the upcoming game, keys to victory, my DraftKings Sportsbook Parlay, all that good stuff. So make sure you check out that show, as well as all of our podcasts on the Behind the Steel Curtain Network. You don't want to miss any of them. They're all fantastic. In the meantime, as I finish out my shows, be safe, be kind, and God bless. And as Dave would say, thanks for geeking out with me. (laughs) I'll see you next time.